Boy, if you want to get into the Christmas spirit, I can tell you the Detroit Zoo is a great place to do that. We were there with the kids and grandkids last night for wild nights at the Detroit Zoo. I've heard about this. My baby's a little bit too young. I think she's, yeah. Maybe next year. I mean, I think she would be fascinated for about 15 minutes. Right. You know, and then then we could. But I can't wait for all that to open up for us to to do around here. And it is. And it does get you in the spirit, too. And it's what they've done is beautiful. And it's it also just walking through the zoo at night. There are such beautiful grounds is a wonderful thing. I was at a, a, a wedding in Richmond, Virginia over the weekend. Saw something I've never seen at a wedding before. Tell us. They had, you know, usually we have the little girls coming down the aisle casting rose petals and flowers, sure. right? They didn't have any little girls in the family that were old enough to do that. Okay. They had the 80-year-old grandmothers do it. Oh, my gosh. It, I love that. It was so adorable, and, and, and both of them are a little wobbly, you know, they're, they're, but they were so, they, first of all, they were beautiful in their dresses. Oh, wow. What came, a great moment. And they came down and scattered the petals. I've never seen that at a wedding before. And then at the reception, they threw the bouquet, and a cousin caught it. A cousin with Down syndrome who's in her 20s and was there with her boyfriend. Oh. You've never seen someone so excited oh, in your wow. life. Those are special moments. That's, that's yeah. you know, and, it, and the whole thing about, you know, you kind of renew your own vows with your spouse while you're there. You oh, just, you had romantic thoughts this weekend? I Good did for have, you, guy. I did have. And uh, we had a lovely time. Richmond's a cool place, uh, cool place to visit. And uh, if you get a chance, there's some, uh, there's a wonderful uh, Civil War Museum there and, uh, the State House is pretty cool, too. I've been there and toured it. It is. It is a great piece of history there. Um, a little history being made over the weekend in this defamation case down in Georgia. Two women who were def- claimed they were defamed. Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shay Moss, were elections workers in, uh, in, in Georgia. And as part of the let's throw stuff against the wall and see what it will stick strategy in the aftermath of the 2020 campaign... Rudy Giuliani came out with a a claim that they were involved in changing votes and that they were caught on camera exchanging a USB drive. And he said, treating it like a vial of heroin or cocaine. Do you know what they were exchanging? Yeah. Candy. Yeah. Breath mints. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he is now hit with a $148 million verdict for defaming those workers. Uh, he is uh, without means at this moment. His own attorneys on other cases say that he owes them a ton of money. So what's in the future for these women? But also, on the steps of the courthouse, he repeated the very allegation that got, that had already been ruled as defamation. What do you do about that? Matthew Schneider, leader of investigations in white-collar defense practice in Hollywood Law, also former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan and our favorite legal legal. Matthew, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me back. So he comes out on the sh- after he loses this giant verdict, and, and yes, he questioned the size of the verdict, and it will likely be whittled down. But he maintains his allegations against the women are true and supportable. Yet, I mean, early on, he admits in writing they were falsehoods. Back in July, his own legal team filed. So how does he do that? Well, anybody can do anything in a lawsuit. It doesn't mean that it's smart. It doesn't mean it's the right course of action. That seems to be what's happening here. And for background, you're completely correct. These women sued back in 2001 for defamation and emotional distress. 
And then in August of this year, Giuliani stipulated he agreed. He filed a document in open court, and he said, I agree of, of these points, and I'm not saying that these statements aren't false. He concedes the point that these statements were false. And then now for him to come out of court and double down on this, it's kind of a classic example of maybe talking out of two sides of your mouth or maybe saying one thing in the courtroom and then trying to say another thing in the public. But the fact remains that he admitted essentially that he did this. Matthew, the numbers are pretty inflated. 16 million for defamation for both, 20 million each for emotional distress, 75 million in punitive. What's the next step? Because he does not have the money. That's true. So I think even though this verdict is $148 million, the chances of these women seeing that money is is very, very low. It, it will be some amount, but just not that. Because after this step, now the judge in this case can reduce that amount after the trial, and that happens. Uh, secondly, uh, on appeal, an appellate court can reduce that amount. Or the third, the parties, they can agree, they can stipulate. And I've actually been part of cases after a big verdict comes in where the party parties then agree, you know, actually we want to agree to a lower amount because we don't think it's going to up, up, be upheld on appeal. The problem well, and they don't want to postpone their payday. Right, exactly. The problem here is Giuliani is apparently not collectible. I mean, he just is wasting his own funds on all of these legal cases and he's spending it hand over fist. He might just not have any money to pay. He's well, playing. And he said he wants to appeal too, obviously. Right. I mean, even if he gets the, let's say he gets this, this damage award down to a hundred million. Okay. Where's that going to come from? He's got all these other cases still going to be very difficult for him. He uh, he's playing the victim and he's playing the victim card hard saying that he was not allowed to present a defense. I wasn't even allowed to present a defense, implying that it was the court that wouldn't allow that. But it was really his own legal team that said, you know, truth is the best defense in a defamation case, but we we, we can handle the truth. We just can't prove it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, So I was he denied a defense? No. What really denied his defense was his own stipulation. He himself did that. He was the one who agreed in his stipulation in the court filing that what he did was per se defamation. And by doing that, he really gave up his own defenses. I mean, essentially, he's trying to preserve two things. He's trying to preserve that the damages aren't too high. And maybe he'll make an argument that his speech is protected under the First Amendment. Either way, he might get the damages down award a, a little bit, but this is not First Amendment protected speech. So all of that is his own doing, and he presented those things in court. Mike Gottlieb's the attorney for Shea Moss, and he says the message this sends is you will not get away with it. You can't spread lies. Do you think this will sort of help in that realm because there's so much disinformation out there? It should. It, it should send a message. And that's exactly what the defense, um, uh, defense has to face, because the prosecution of the case, the plaintiffs argued in their closing, go ahead and send a message. Because there are other people in the country who have done similar things. There's other people who lied about election affairs. There's other people who exaggerated the truth. And these are not the only cases out there. So it very well could be a message that instead of 
going all the way to the jury. If you're the defendant in a case like this, maybe you should settle early on and you can get a lower damages award. One of the things that uh, the victims in this case said, uh, Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, was that they, they they said, not only do we want to get our reputations back, we want to get our name back. And that struck me as... You yeah. know, they said that she said even, she misses her name. I miss my name. And yeah. she said that even in a, in a grocery checkout line, she's reluctant to say her name because she doesn't know if the person behind her has heard this conspiracy claim, but hasn't heard the truth. Right. And it's actually worse than that, because she said it's it's not just about her going to the grocery store and seeing people. They had received awful voicemails and as part of of following along with this case i've heard them and they're terrible people threatened these two people they they threatened to kill them they threatened to hurt their families they came to their houses they literally stalked them so those types of emotional damages are exactly why the court applied or the jury applied an emotional damages award 40 million dollars for their emotional suffering and that's the kind of thing where even if Rudy Giuliani declares bankruptcy, he cannot get out of that because that's an intentional tort. A, a bankruptcy court cannot yeah. disturb that, and that's going to stick with you. Well, he calls it an absurdity. Uh, he calls the number an absurdity in the entire proceeding an absurdity. But I got to tell you, from an outsider that knows the full story, if you do know the full story, the absurdity is he keeps repeating the lie that got him in trouble in the first place and continues to damage the reputation of these women. And it really could open up him up for a greater damage award. Remember what I said is the fact that the judge can now decrease this damage award. You know, this can get even worse with interest and with mm-hmm. attorneys. Um, it, it could only get worse for Giuliani and for other cases. Other juries might see this and realize I want to do the same thing. It's, it's really, he's, he's digging his hole. He's got no great place to go after this. And what a sad end for America's mayor who was held in such yeah. high regard for his was, leadership yeah. after 9-11. And, and his, his, his service to this lie has cost him so much. And these two women as well. Uh, Matthew, thank you for your insights on this. These cases are hard. They are. They are. It, it would have been interesting to see what he would have said if he had testified. He said that he was going to, then he changed his mind. Really, after he agreed, after he stipulated that he had committed the defamation, there was nothing to testify about. But it would have been interesting to see what he had to say. Mm-hmm. I, I just he had a great defense. Yeah, He has said in the past that he thought it was protected speech. Um, that's a, a hollow claim under our laws. Um, Matthew, thanks so much. Have a great week. Thank you. You too. Time for Ion Engineering, brought to you by Tajan Automotive Technologies, the formula for better mobility. Most motor mounts, even for EV applications, are made of metal alloys. It's a vibration-intensive application that demands extreme durability. Now, however, a nylon-based thermoplastic motor mount on the Cadillac Lyric EV has won the Society for Automotive Analysts' Innovation in Lightweighting Award. The high-strength mount is a collaboration between GM, anti-vibration parts maker DN Automotive, and chemical company Selenese, whose compound Zytel was modified for use in the Lyric. The part not only reduced NVH, but saved costs and eliminated the need for other NVH dampers. 
The result was a lyric that was lauded by reviewers for its interior quiet despite the high frequency vibrations generated by EV motors. SAA judges lauded the simplicity of the solution and said to expect more formerly steel and aluminum parts to be made of plastic in future vehicles. For SAE International, I'm Chris Klontz, and that's an eye on engineering.